Good morning, y'all. Uh-oh, the guy that does announcements is speaking this morning. Y'all doing all right? Glad you guys are here. I hope you've had a fantastic uh, week and weekend. We're looking forward to a great day together today. Uh, a few months ago, my oldest son turned 13 years old. Now, I know what you're thinking. Nathan, you're not old enough to have a 13-year-old. I get that a lot, I understand, but a few months ago, he turned 13 years old, and one of the things we did for his birthday was we went and played paintball. Now, how many of you guys have played paintball before? Okay, some of you have no idea what paintball is, but you play it with a, you've got a a gun with a CO2 cartridge, and you shoot paintballs at one another, and when they hit, they're supposed to explode, and they leave bruises, and it's a lot of fun. Guys enjoy this sort of thing. So I took some 13-year-olds and a little bit older, and you can see this intimidating picture of these young men up there, but I took them. Most of them had never played before, and so I took them out, and they got their gear on. They had these chest protector things, which we didn't have when I was growing up playing paintball, but they had chest protectors, and they put their masks on, their goggles, and they got their guns, and they went out there and started playing and having a blast. And it was fun. It was so much fun to watch them play. And I let them go. And I just stood off to the side thinking the whole time, I could take out every one of these little kids if I wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty good at paintball. I used to play. I'm fast. I'm good. I'm agile. I can do this. And so I let them play for a bit. And eventually, I decided to take my right as a dad, step in and play. And I told him, I said, look, I want all of you guys against me because I'm that good. I'm that good. I'm going to take on all of you. And so we got back at the, you play on these, um, these courses where you've got people on one end and people on the other. And I decided I said, take all of you guys on. So they said, go. And I took off, man. And the first thing I did was I, I got Sawyer Marlowe right in the chest. Bow! Right in the chest. And I was like, yes. And I kept on going. And I, I run, a, and they started shooting at me a lot. And I could feel them shooting at me. And I, I realized I needed to get down behind a barrier. So I got down behind a barrier and my, I was already kind of winded. I hadn't, it wasn't used a little further to that barrier than I expected. And my mass was starting to fog up and they just started shooting at me. And I realized that my gun was not firing. And I was like, well, this, this is not good. This is really, really bad actually. And I could see them, the little joker started surrounding me and, and started shooting me from all different angles. And I, the more I sit there, I, I just, I, there was nothing I could do. It was, I, I was unarmed, I was, I was helpless, and it was just a matter of time before they circled up around me, closed in, and took me out. It was awful. <laughs> I just wonder how many of us today have felt that way before in life, to where you feel like you're going along, everything is going well, and then all of a sudden, everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And it feels like the enemy is shooting against you, And it feels like he has surrounded you, and you're armed and helpless, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Maybe you've gotten behind a bunker, and you're sitting there going, man, when is this going to end? And you feel unarmed. Maybe it's depression or anxiety, or maybe it struggles with your, your marriage or your finances, maybe with your kids, and it just seems like the, the shots just never stop. You know, Jesus said this. Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus knew that we were going to face opposition. Jesus knew that we had an enemy that was going to come after us. 
But here's what I want you to know. There's good news this morning because Jesus does not want us to be unarmed. God wants us to be equipped, armed and ready for every single battle we'll face. We've been going through Ephesians together. We've been going through this armor of God, and I hope you've been tracking along with us over the past few weeks as we've been looking at this. But this morning, I want to start back in verse 10. And I want us to go through this together because I feel like it's important to know the context here. In verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Before we get going this morning, it's very important for us to stop right here. To be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I do not want you to to misinterpret anything I'm saying this morning. This is not a do better, work harder, try harder. You can do it on your own. If you pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, you can do it message. This is not that at all. This is a be strong in the Lord message. Guys, some of the reasons we've gotten ourselves into the trouble we've gotten ourselves into is because we've tried to be strong on our own. Amen? We've gotten ourselves into a lot of trouble like that, right? I can do it if I try hard enough. No, what Scripture says is if you can be strong in the Lord. If we want to be victorious, we are to be strong in the Lord. And to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Something to hear about the devil's schemes is that he has a plan for each one of us. And Paul lets us know that you have an enemy who is plotting against you. He is strategizing against you. He wants to destroy you. Why? Because he hates your father and he can't do anything against God. The only thing he can do against God is to hurt you, is to distract you, is to derail you, to get you off of your course and following Jesus. And he wants to ruin every good thing in your life. He wants to destroy your marriage, he wants to destroy every relationship. He wants you to be upset with the people that you even go to church with. He wants you to gossip and complain. He wants you to be absolutely miserable. That's his goal. And he has that strategy. He's working those plots against us, and he's watching us and strategizing and manipulating and trying to come after us relentlessly. In verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And so Paul here gives us a peek into what's actually happening in the world. And uh, This is actually what we call spiritual warfare, but he's letting us in on the reality that is around us. What he's saying is that there is a world around us that we can't see with our eyes. And there are enemies and battles and things happening that we can't see with our eyes. And it's the real world that's happening. And he's saying that there is a a battle going on, and it's not against flesh and blood. And what, what the enemy would like for us to do is to believe that my problem is actually with the people that are in my life. And he wants me to be mad at you and stay mad at you, and you to stay mad at me, and us to not talk That's what the enemy would like to do. That's part of his strategy. And he wants us to think that all that there is is all that we can see. And then we get to this. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. We've got this day of evil that's coming. Stand firm then. 
And this is where we've been talking about for the past few weeks. And, is, and if you've not been following along with us, I, I highly encourage you, go back, listen to the messages. Buddy has done a, an excellent job in laying out each part of this armor to us. Stand firm then with a breastplate, uh, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with a feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's what we're talking about this morning, is this Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. You know what's incredible about this sword of the Spirit here is that it's the only offensive weapon we're given. And as we're going through this armor, he finally gets to the sword. Now, you may not know this, I didn't, but there's... And the Roman soldiers, he's looking at a Roman soldier, and he's looking. The Roman soldier actually carried two separate swords. You've got this gladius, this huge sword, this double-fisted sword like what you see in Braveheart. It's huge like a baseball bat, you know? And, but there's this other sword, and it's a smaller sword. It's about 18 inches long, and it's double-edged, and it's super sharp. It's like a dagger. And that's actually, when Paul is talking about this, the sword of the Spirit, that's actually the type of sword that he's referring to. It's not this long, huge one, but he's actually talking about this dagger. It's actually designed for up close and personal, in your face, hand-to-hand, one-to-one combat. It's when the enemy has gotten onto you so closely, it's your last defense. Also, what he says here is that the word now, Paul did a great job this morning, Paul Evans, talking about the Word of God. Now, this, this word here, there's three different words in the Greek for this, okay? There's the graphe. Graphe means the written word. It's when you write something out, okay? And then there's the logos, which is what Paul was referencing in, in John chapter 1. The, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And that's, that's the logic. That's the wisdom. But that's not the word that Paul uses here either. The word that Paul uses is the word rhema, which is the spoken utterance of God. It is the applied, timely word of God. It's the word of God spoken that when you hear it, it applies to that situation and is the right word at the right time. And Paul says, this word is sharp. This word is powerful. You can remember uh, a, a time when Jesus used this, right? In Matthew chapter 4, when he's being tempted by the enemy. You remember the enemy comes to him after 40 days and he's tempting him. And he just keeps on tempting him and tempting him and tempting him. Do you guys remember how Jesus responded to those temptations? With the word of God, right? He says, it is written. That's the way he responded to these temptations, to these struggles. He spoke the rhema of God to those temptations. You see, he, he looked in the graphe and he put the logos and he said, spoke the rhema out, the timely applied word of God. It was as if though that he had had a database in him and started searching. He's like, here's this temptation. What's the word of God that applies to this temptation? And he spoke it at it. You know, I wonder if some of us, the reason why we struggle and we fall to temptation so often as opposed to speaking the word of God, we say things like, well, I feel. And in my opinion. And let me tell you something, guys. In the heavenly realms, 
our words carry no power. If you want to be victorious in the heavenly realms, you speak the rhema. You speak the word of God. Use the sword of the spirit. Because those words have power. And you can see in in Jesus' illustration here is that when Jesus spoke the word of God, the enemy had to leave. He had to go. He could not stay here any longer. You also see that, that one of the ways, just to side here, is that one of the ways that the enemy attacked was he was t- trying to attack Jesus' identity over and over, if you are the Son of God. And one of the things I loved last week as Buddy talked to us, he shared with us these things out of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. It's because the enemy loves to attack your identity. He loves to attack Jesus' identity. And these kind of things, these phrases up here are so powerful as we look at them over and over and over and we put them into our, our mind. That way when a battle comes, we'll be ready. Also, there's a battle on the outside. Hebrews chapter 4 says this. It says the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts of the heart. What is, this, what is it saying here? He's saying that this word is sharp. It goes deep. It goes deep inside of us. It penetrates the joints and the marrow. It goes down to the, sword, the, the soul and the spirit. In other words, this thing can go in places in your heart and in your life that you can't even see. This word, it goes deep. What it separates is the old us from the new us. That's what he's saying here. And some of you guys have experienced this in your own life. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but I I was not raised going to church. Uh, I I wasn't raised going to VBS. I wasn't raised going to to summer camp. I didn't sing the songs. I didn't know the scriptures. I, I, I didn't do it. So when I heard about Jesus as a senior in high school, it was brand new. I was at a friend's house one night, and the, the, uh, the guy said, you can be forgiven. I'd never heard those words before. As we spoke, he began to, to speak to me the rhema of God timely words that hit me exactly where I was in my life at that moment. That night, I gave my life to Christ and was baptized. It's February 2nd, about 2 in the morning. I was baptized in a little baptistry in Sweden's Cove, Tennessee, with ice in the baptistry. I think I was probably the first person to be baptized there in years. The next morning, a friend of mine, I don't know how he knew to do this, but when I got to school, there was a Bible on my desk. And it was in a gift bag, and he said, you need to just start reading the the Word of God. And so he told me to start reading in Matthew, and I'd I'd never read the Bible. And I remember starting reading. I started right there in class. I I would read, and I would read, and I'd read. And I can remember sitting in Algebra 2 class, (laughs) reading my Bible. And I can remember when I came across the passage that said, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or what you'll wear. God cares more about you than he cares even about birds and flowers. And I can remember sitting in class, and everyone else was doing math for some reason. I couldn't understand it, but they were doing math. And I can remember I was reading this, and and I was just like, 
wow. And I, I put it down on my desk and I pushed back like I just finished a big meal, you know. And I just stood there and looked around. I was like, this is amazing that God cares for me in this way. And I started passing my Bible around. I was like, you guys got to read this. I started passing around class for people to read. It was the good news of Jesus. It was the word of God. At that time, I'd had a really radical uh, conversion. And uh, I, the, 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 reali- the reality of going from this old person who I'd been to the new person that Jesus was calling me was big time. 2 Corinthians 5.17 became my verse. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I would wear that around in my heart. I knew it because I knew that the old has gone. This old guy who did all those old things, who did all those bad things, he was dead and gone. The way that I thought of him is that he had died coming home from a party because that's where he was headed. And this new person lived in his place. The word of God told me that. I can remember a lot of my friends decided they didn't want to hang out with me anymore. I was weird. (laughs) And I can remember reading what Jesus said in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Because if you were one with the world, the world would love you as its own. But as is, I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. And I can remember going, man... Jesus understands what I'm going through. Guys, it's the word of God. It's the word of God that told me that. It's the word of God that was changing me, working in me, changing the way that I thought, the way that I saw, the way that I believed, the way that I lived, the way that I interacted with other people. It's the powerful rhema of God that's going deep into my life and changing every aspect. Now, some of you guys, y'all been doing this for years. I mean, you've been doing this. Every morning, you guys get up and you put on that full armor of God. I know it because I hear you talk and I watch the way you live and I see the way that you serve and I see the way that you battle addictions, the way that you are willing to get in 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 the muck and the mud with other people and speak scripture to them and encourage them and challenge them and walk with them through really difficult things. It's the word of God that's changed you to do that. It's the powerful, living word of God that has done that. This morning, though, maybe, maybe some of us haven't. Maybe you've gotten out of the routine. Maybe you've never done that before. God does not want you to be unarmed. God wants you to be equipped, fully armed and ready for every single battle you'll face. This morning, I want to, I want to give just a, a few practical things this morning. If you've never done this before, if you're saying, look, I want to get in the Bible, understand it's a struggle, I don't have time, whatever, all those sort of excuses we make, here's what we need to do. We need to have a a time, a place, and a plan. I just realized I skipped like nine slides there. It's all right. Somebody will come up to me after this and go, hey, can you tell me those blanks? I will. Um, I'll do that now. Here, here's what I realized, back to, the, back to the deal. God's word isn't only to save us, it's also to change us, okay? God's word isn't only for information, it's also for transformation, okay? Some of us, by the way, as a side, some of us 
have gotten to the idea that the Bible is only for information. I went to a Christian school for college. And some of you who are go to and work in Christian universities and schools, it's really easy for the Bible to become a textbook or a debater's handbook instead of the living word of God. Here, here's what we need, though, guys. If we're going to be armed for battle, we need a time, a place, and a plan. It's really that simple. A time and a place and a plan. So, and I mean, nothing in life really happens without a time and a place and a plan, right? Like if I said to you this morning, hey, let's go to lunch, but, uh, and it's just sort of open-ended, what's the reality? What's the, the, the likelihood of us going to lunch? Pretty, pretty low, right? Pretty low. But a time and a place and a plan. Guys, when we talk about this, where, what time? When, when are you going to do this? My wife is fantastic at this. 5.30 every morning, she's up and she's with the Word of God. She's got her coffee. She's in her spot. She's ready to go. Some of you have never, you, you don't do this because you don't have a time. When are you going to do it? Where, where's your place? Where's the place? Jennifer has a chair. Some of us, my time, I had a friend in college who said Bible before breakfast. He, he would not eat breakfast until he had spent some time, some meaningful time in the Word of God. One of the things I do now, the Bible app is fantastic. The Bible app will read to you. It reads to me. I push play, I sit on my chest, and I'll get a few extra minutes in bed listening to the Word of God speak to me before I get up. Jennifer loves when I do that. Also, time, a place, and a plan. A plan. Some of us, we don't have a plan when it comes to reading God's Word. And I've, I've had students still do this. They do this drop and, uh, drop and flop sort of method where they'll just take their Bible and do like this, and whatever it plop, plops to, that's where they start reading. That's a really bad strategy. I'm not saying that God can't speak through those things, but most likely you might not end up exactly where you need to be. Uh, I know that before I was a Christian, I tried to do that, and I ended up in a genealogy in a a KJV version of the Bible, and it was so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so, and and I didn't understand it then. I still don't understand it now. And so you need a plan. Some of you ladies are so fantastic with this. The BSF, the, uh, the Bible Study Fellowship that you guys do, this is a great deal for getting in God's Word. That's why we do life groups, ABC groups. We have a Bible study this morning. And our leadership believes strongly in the importance of making sure that we're in God's Word. One other thing I wanted to, to mention to you, if you're struggling with this and you just want to get in God's Word together, that we can do this together. This is a Bible study in the Bible app through the book of Mark. And you can hit this QR code, and we can all join together in a Bible study for the next week or so, going through actually two weeks, going through the book of Mark. This morning... I want to say this. This morning, before we have our our invitation, our response time, I want to say this. This morning, I'm not going to ask, do you need to read your Bible more? Because there's not a person in this room that would say, yeah, I read it enough. What I do want to ask you this morning is, do you feel attacked? Do you feel unarmed? Do you feel isolated? Do you feel like the enemy is pressing in? Do you need some brothers and sisters who will rally around you and hold you up, pray for you, speak the word of God to you? This morning, also, if, if, if you're like me and you just never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, if you've never given your life to him, you've never been baptized, 
Guys, what are you waiting for? If you're waiting until you've got it all together or you know everything, it's never going to happen. The enemy right now, the enemy right now would love to say, you don't have to come forward to do that. The enemy right now would love for you to make every excuse that you can possibly think of to stay where you're at. He'd love to convince you that there's another time, another place, you'll do it later. The good news is this, is that Jesus does not want us to be unarmed. God wants us to be equipped, armed and ready for every battle we'll face. And he has come that we may have life and have it to the full. If this morning, if we can pray for you, if we can encourage you in any way, I want you to come forward as we stand and sing.